I'm Alistair Stevens. And I'm Elizabeth Ray. And Tom Cruise is the last star in Hollywood. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Last Star in Hollywood, a brand new podcast that we are about to figure out right in front of your very (laughs) ears. It's a very exciting moment for me. Elizabeth, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good about this. We've been talking about it for a long time. I'm ready to get going. We have, but that would imply that we are perhaps more prepared than we really are. Oh, yeah. No, we're not prepared. We've just been talking about it. We've called this podcast (laughs) The Last Star in Hollywood. We are going to be discussing the filmography. We are going to be discussing the man, the myth, the legend that is Tom Cruise, the greatest icon of American cinema over the last, I don't know, 40 years. We're going to move step by step through his entire filmography. But here in this first episode, well, we've been begging some questions. If the idea of this show is that Tom Cruise is the last star in Hollywood, then we are forced to ask, what is a movie star? Is Tom Cruise a movie star? Is Tom Cruise indeed the last movie star? What do you think? The last movie star is definitely the the one that I'm, I'm here to contend with just a little bit. Obviously, Tom Cruise is a movie star. I think when I'm trying to determine like movie star celebrity, I think household name for one. And also like their name almost comes before the title of the movie. Like it's sure. their movie and they're the selling point. Well, you're jumping ahead just a little bit because I have, as is my way, put together a little informal taxonomy and put together a little (laughs) categorization for the necessary qualities that I think a movie star must possess. And I think that this will get us a little closer to why Tom Cruise, not the most successful movie star, even working today, not the most perhaps internationally famous name, certainly not anchored in any of the biggest franchises in the world. Yeah. And without many accolades or awards. With none. Wow. No Academy Awards, which Mm -hmm. is outlandish, honestly, at this point in his career. And obviously, too, we should perhaps parenthetically mention this at the beginning. We are not in this podcast going to be wrestling too much with the personhood of Tom Cruise, with the real figure. We are interested much more in the myth, in the icon. We are interested in the movie star. He is obviously a very controversial figure. We are not going to ignore that, but we're also not interested in it. This is not going to be a gossipy podcast, I feel like. I hope not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that there are four ways that we can measure an actor's standing as a movie star. And those very informally are like profitability. How successful is that actor? How successful are their movies? Longevity. How long is their career? How long have they been doing this? And how consistently have they been doing it? Exclusivity, which I think is a really interesting one. How much of a movie actor are they? Or is movie acting Mm. only one of the things for which they are famous? And then... The most nebulous, iconicity. How much is the actor always the actor? Does that feel like an interesting rubric for I approaching? I love iconicity, which I feel like <laughs> you just made up, but I'm here for it. It's a totally cromulent <laughs> word. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so I'm sorry. I was, I was distracted by it. So being an icon, tell me more about that last. To what degree does the mm-hmm. actor reveal themselves in their performances and to what degree does the actor occlude themselves in the performances for example the most successful male actor of all time daniel day lewis three academy award Mm. wins out of six nominations not a movie star no i would agree yeah he's an actor yeah yeah definitely i think that profitability is perhaps the most crass and commercial of all of these categorizations but if you look at the list of the most successful financially successful film actors of all time Number one on that list, do you know? 
Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. This is a really interesting list. I'll put the uh, the link to this list in the show notes. I'll run down the top 10 very quickly, okay? Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, Chris Pratt, astonishingly, <laughs> Tom Hanks, Zoe Saldana, Tom Cruise, Bradley Cooper, Chris Hemsworth, and Harrison Ford. That's an interesting list. Yeah, it's almost all Marvel and a Star Wars. Exactly. And then Tom Hanks is there, which makes sense. Yeah, well... That's the extended filmography, right? Tom yeah. Hanks is, I think, the only candidate on that list who might also qualify as a movie star. Yes, the, I would say so. He's not so like twinkle charm, not so like uh, leading Manny in the same way that Tom Cruise is. Right, that iconicity argument, Yeah, right? yeah, not an icon in the same way, but a safe pair of hands, certainly. Certainly. Yeah, and certainly top billing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the other thing is is looking at how many of these performances are leading performances versus ensemble supporting performances sure. or character pieces. Samuel L. Jackson does top out this list. His movies combined have made $5.7 billion. That's every film that Samuel oh. L. Jackson has been in has taken in aggregate $5.7 billion at the domestic box office. That's just in the United States. That's 67 credits. But his average take per movie is only 85 million. It's the lowest on this list. It's the lowest out of the top 10. Oh. The man works. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is part of the problem. That is why Samuel L. Jackson, I think, is not a movie star on the level of Tom Cruise. Because sure. he just works so much. <laughs> and it lacks, a, it's that exclusivity argument, right? Yeah. Just that thing that every film has to be an event, which has been true for Tom Cruise throughout his entire career, almost 50 films. Yeah. And every single one of them after the first couple, you know, as soon as he's a leading man, every single film is an event to a greater or lesser extent. Are there any other names on that list that jump out to you? I don't know necessarily. Mostly I just recognize them all from Marvel, which doesn't yeah. surprise me because <laughs> Marvel has just taken over in such a huge way. And then, of course, having Harrison Ford there for Star Wars and Indiana Jones makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. I'm interested in the diversity of the list. I was surprised to see Samuel L. Jackson at the top because mm. I feel like there's a real dearth of leading men in Hollywood who are not white guys. Sure, sure. <laughs> but is this his supporting roles as well or leading men only? This is leading roles. This is everything that is above the line. So it's not necessarily first build, but it's everything where you are like a name on the poster. Okay. That's All right. This. That's very He's cool. He's obviously got even more where he is supporting, even more where he is ensemble, even more where he is voice. Yeah, like, ensemble is, I guess, what I'm thinking yeah. of. Is like, I think of him in so many ensemble pieces. No, I think this of list. Pulp Fiction and I think of Marvel more of than course, anything. Yeah. yeah. No, this list is just uh, leading performances. So not That's necessarily awesome. the only actor or the first mid build actor, but when you're in that top five that gets on the poster. Wow. Very Jackson cool. Jackson okay. is certainly interesting there. Robert Downey Jr. In the second position, I think, is fascinating. It is just because there was like 20 years where he wasn't working, right? It is, but it's his ubiquity in Marvel. He has yeah. all of the Iron Mans, all of the Captain Americas, all of the Ensemble Avengers films, yes. and all the Spider-Man films. He's in all of them. That's right. One way yeah, or another. Yeah, sure. So that, I think, drives him up. Chris Pratt, of course, has the Marvel thing going for him. He has the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World Jurassic stuff World, going yeah. for him. He's a Mario. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, he's a Mario. <laughs> I did. Uh, Tom Hanks obviously has this wildly extensive filmography yes. without touching any of these franchises, which is so interesting. Yeah. Tom Hanks doesn't surprise me being on the list, but it is interesting how different his career is from everybody else in the list. Mm. I think there's, I, I respect that a lot, actually. Yeah, because while Cruise has not touched, you know, Marvel has not touched Star Wars in the same way, he has his own franchises. Sure, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Jack yeah. Reacher was a, oh, a God, thwarted, hesitant yeah, franchise. Sure. Mm -hmm. Top Gun is something of a franchise, I guess. Uh, I, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. It certainly could be in the years to come. We'll see. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what to you, with all of that in mind, separates Tom Cruise? Do you think that these criteria clear him? Does, does he clear the bar of movie stardom according to profitability, longevity, exclusivity, and iconicity? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely clears the bar. I'm interested too. Like I was thinking about Tom Hanks being on that list and about how recently I feel like most of his movies have been straight to streaming movies. And I don't think I can think of a Tom Cruise movie that was straight to streaming. No, certainly. He's right? the last He's like, great defender of the cinema. This is yes. what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's part of the movie star thing too, I think, is that when I think of movie star, I think big screen. That's a really interesting one. Yeah, that kind of touches that notion of exclusivity. I think yes. you're completely right. Yeah. Absolutely. Having a debut on a streaming platform doesn't necessarily disqualify you from being a movie star, but it certainly takes some of that shine off. Yeah, yeah. And which is maybe something that surprised me too about Samuel L. Jackson is that I also think about him doing the credit card commercials. Like I always exactly, think of right? those. Yeah. And I cannot imagine a world where Tom Cruise is doing a credit card commercial. Like no. it's never going to happen. And the thing about Jackson is the man works. He works, yeah. Which is yeah. an admirable quality. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, sure. That's, that's actually an important distinction that we should make, I guess. We are not asserting here that being a movie star is in any way better than being a working actor. Oh, no. <laughs> no, just that it's a different animal. More important. That's yeah. it. It's, it's its specificity that we find absolutely. so interesting. Hollywood, it seems to me, rose on the backs of movie stars, these icons that were created in part by the studios. Right? Absolutely by the studios. Yeah. No, you think like Paramount, even the the logo now has the stars in the in the sky up above it, like a little rainbow, which represent like the actual first hires that they had. Yeah. Like, these are this is our I forgot what they even call it, like canopy of stars or something. <laughs> and like MGM had like their people sure. and there, there was always negotiation. And when you were in contract with a studio, that was it. You couldn't make a movie for anybody else. You were like their property. And they they marketed these characters. And I say characters because, you know, they changed their names all the time and, right. and uh, gave them a look and gave them uh, a personality. I think of these old pictures of Henri Bogart, right. which are hilarious. <laughs> There's one in particular where he's like sitting in some very British looking room with like a Great Dane and all of these hunting trophies behind him. And Humphrey Bogart, born in New York, like not playing polo, not hunting big game in not Africa. A lot of, not a lot of polo <laughs> no. in the Big Apple? Huh. Interesting. <laughs> but it's all just part of this, you know, man's man swaggering Hemingway thing they were trying to right. get them. But it's part of it's part in the broader sense of the inauthenticity that we associate with movie stars. Yes. Yes. Which is, I think Hollywood is moving away from now, whether they want to or not, because of the rise of social media. Like yeah, you think yes. about Hollywood is moving away from it or it is being taken away from Hollywood. Right. One of those two things is right. true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And but Tom Cruise seems to just be holding on to this the veil between Exactly. what Tom Cruise the movie star is and who Tom Cruise the person is, which right. I'm perfectly happy with. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he is a global icon about whom we know almost nothing. We only really know the, those peaks of the icebergs of his private life, of his social life. Right. But his face, his laugh, his run wildly <laughs> are iconic throughout the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. And even his whole Scientology thing is kind of part of his mythos, I'd say. It is. It is in a, in a shadowy in kind a, of Yes. Way. <laughs> yes. What lurks beneath the mask or so whatever sort of way. If Tom Cruise is, if we, are, if we are building an argument that he is perhaps the last movie star, at least the last movie star in Hollywood, at least the last movie star yeah. in Hollywood of this old form. Who were his peers? Who were the penultimate movie stars? Who to you was a movie star growing up in the 90s, in the 2000s, in the 2010s? I mean, I guess in the 90s, I'm thinking about when I first started watching Red Carpets. And I definitely remember Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. 
I remember Gwyneth Paltrow and early Brad Pitt. Those are the ones that come to mind. Those are my like mm-hmm. red carpet flashbulbs shooting. Julia Roberts, of course. Julia Roberts, I think, is a major Yeah, contender. yeah. Julia Roberts, Tom Hanks, as we mentioned. Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington is a great one. Tom Hanks, though, again, is like not, like he is a movie star, but he's not the same kind of paparazzi following. I think if you go back to hot, the 90s, I think that's fair. I think the first person to agree with you would be Tom Hanks himself. Right. But I do think that if you go back to the 90s and you're looking at him coming off of his run of incredibly successful Certainly. romantic comedies. Yeah. Well, and like him and Meg Ryan side exactly. by side at events. Yeah. yeah. Meryl Streep might be an interesting candidate. Meryl Streep is definitely an interesting candidate. Though um, almost. Also the, an actor though. Like. Yeah. And definitely. almost the opposite story of Cruz. Because he is so iconically representative of Hollywood, but also yeah. seems to exist largely outside of those halls of accolade, right? <laughs> like not having sure. an Academy Award seems preposterous for a person who is that important to the industry. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, first of all, I love that everyone calls Meryl Street Meryl. Like everyone in Hollywood just says <laughs> Meryl. Like she's Madonna and doesn't need a last name, which is great. But she is such an icon, like at the Academy Awards, like standing up and clapping for the other women. And, you know, like you always see yeah, her as yeah. just just like the, the matriarch of Hollywood, which I think is wonderful. Robert Redford, possibly. Ooh, I love Robert Redford. Yeah. Robert Redford, definite movie star. Definitely. But it would be hard to argue and, that and he is still a movie star. I, I would say that he's still a movie star between the Marvel movies that he's in and he's still doing lovely, quiet, romantic pieces. Mm-hmm. I would. And, and he's so recognizable. It is interesting because he's getting to the point now, like we think, like we have kids, right? So we think of the boys who are like eight and 10 now. And if you showed them a picture of Tom Cruise, they'd be like, Mission Impossible guy. If you showed them a picture of Robert Redford, I'm not sure that they would even oh, recognize him from- Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon, you're right. They would absolutely remember the best Dallas Howard, Carl Urban, Pete's Dragon. Then movie star. Yeah. You know what? That might be part of my definition of movie star. If you can hand a picture to an eight-year-old and an 80-year-old and they both know who it is. But I think we're missing something there too with with that notion that every film has to be an event, that to be a movie star, there's a certain momentum that you need to generate, right? This is something that uh, Vin Diesel has managed to accomplish through his career, not a movie star in the same kind of of, of league. Like a certain amount of hustle? A certain amount of hustle, a certain amount of just intentionality behind every single film. I think that the desire as much as we applaud it and would like to replicate it ourselves in our acting careers, should we ever have such things, that we would love to go off and make, oh, here's just a quiet film over here and a little melodrama over here and a little musical comedy over here. That, I think, detracts from your impact as a movie star. Interesting. It's what gets you to Robert Downey Jr. making a play for movie stardom through Oppenheimer. Yes. Well, and he's also doing like interesting documentary stuff right now, too. Sure, yeah. So... I, yeah, that, that puts Robert Downey Jr. further away from movie star for me. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think that he is an interesting name on that list, particularly because of the longevity of his career, as right. checkered as it has been. Mm-hmm. But there's a strong argument that with his return in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, he's really reasserting himself and, and bringing in, you know, th- this is part of his legend, is that under the, the management of his wife, that he comes back with an intention to become a movie star. It's a very specific, oh. ordered kind of thing. Interestingly, Robert Downey Jr. is the person on that list who I think is closest in performance to Tom Cruise because they are both so technically excellent. Yes, and also because they both bring their own personality to the role so much. Yeah. Like, I've heard, I have not seen Oppenheimer yet, but I have heard that in Oppenheimer, it's the least, like, Downey performance that Mm -hmm. we have seen Downey do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sounding like Dr. Seuss for a second. Is it too late for us to change the name of this podcast? (laughs) 
<laughs> but anyhow, um, anytime that he is billed in something, you have a certain expectation yeah. that you are going to get RDJ. Like you're, you're just going to get this personality that comes in and, you know, has somebody else's name attached. But really, you're getting Robert Downey Jr. And I think the same thing can be said of Tom Cruise. Like you get a Tom Cruise performance and you get Tom Cruise as. Yeah. But. It's not anything like the same as when you see, you know, Gary Oldman's name on something and you have no idea what this character is going to be like or look like or if they'll be identifiable. As is our way, we are now 20 minutes deep into a podcast that was supposed to last for five minutes. (laughs) So maybe we should pivot away from the question of movie stardom and talk a little more about Cruise specifically. I'm interested in what you would like to learn or investigate or establish as we move through this podcast, as we look at each film in turn to discuss and to, to break down how Tom Cruise represents his generation, how he represents America, how he represents sometimes the military, how he represents an interesting kind of machismo, a certain kind of charm. Yes. Not always the same kind of charm, but he is always, I'm going to overuse this word horribly, I guess, he is always iconic. He is always representative of something underlying the purpose of the film. What are you interested in seeing as we move forward? I mean, really, I'm just kind of curious about that magic that he has. Like, we hadn't really thought about Tom Cruise in however many years, like anybody else, until uh, Maverick came out. And it was the first time you and I went to the theater in years and years. (laughs) (laughs) Pandemic aside, like, it's just been a long time. We had little kids, and the last thing I think we'd seen is... Moana sing along, right? Like it had been a while since a we went to the stand up classic. <laughs> sing along Moana. Don't mind if I do. But we go to see Maverick for your birthday. And we're what, like six or seven minutes in when I turn to you and say, God, he really is a movie star. He really is. And there's just something about him that's absolutely magnetic and you can't look away. And as someone who's, you know, as I said earlier, not interested in his personal life, but understand that there's like dubious background information didn't go in wanting to be charmed particularly or thinking that I would be charmed particularly but I certainly was yeah as was I that's it's not a film that I love I'm not terribly interested in that mode of cruise but we'll investigate that more I think as we move forward we have a long way to go before we get to Top Gun Maverick that is for sure so every week here on the show we are going to watch the next Tom Cruise movie in order with an asterisk we're not going to talk about Young Guns because that is an uncredited cameo and we are not going to talk about Austin Powers because that is again an uncredited cameo that's also just very thin he interacts with his on-screen movie persona intentionally in other films more fully and more effectively so we'll have the opportunity to talk about everything that we would talk about in Austin Powers. Without other having to watch Austin Powers. Woo! We are, though, <laughs> going to watch Tropic Thunder. Uh, yeah. That is perhaps the film that I am most cautious about yeah. as we approach this project. What's, what's What are the red flags for you? What are you not looking forward to watching again? Yeah, okay. Tropic Thunder is definitely up there. I have only heard terrible things about The Mummy. But honestly, it's a pretty great slate of movies. It like when I look at it, there are so many things that I'd forgotten about because like everybody knows like, Top Gun. Great. And I watched Cocktail for the first time a couple of years ago because I'm a bartender now and really enjoyed that, even though it you know falls off the rails like so many of those movies do from the late 80s and early 90s. We have The Outsiders, which is an Oklahoma classic. I'm an Oklahoma mm-hmm. girl. I'm excited for that. Far and Away is another Oklahoma movie that we all watched growing up because for us it was history class, you guys. This is the land run. So even though that movie is 
known to be absolutely terrible. I'm kind of looking forward to that again. Um, interview with a vampire I'm looking forward to. There's a lot of that mid-90s stuff. Yeah. I think when he was testing his bounds as an actor versus a movie star, where he is playing against type a little more. Yeah. There are going to be some really interesting films in that run, too. I've also never seen Magnolia, which is Paul Thomas Anderson, who it I'm is, just yeah. discovering and really enjoying. I watched The Phantom Thread, and recently we watched Licorice Pizza. And yeah. I enjoyed both of them, even though they're flipping weird. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to Raining Frogs and finally understanding what that means. So all of that is to come, but we really have to begin at the beginning. We have to begin with Franco Zeffirelli's 1981 film, Endless Love, and the debut performance, the 45-second debut <laughs> performance of Thomas Cruise Mapother IV. Elizabeth, should the fine folks at home watch Endless Love? Ooh, that's a terrific question. I mean, ultimately, no, you certainly don't have to. And also, it's just so problematic. Like, And not the film itself, which does have its own problems, definitely, and we'll talk about those when we go through the episode, of course. But like in the production of it, the treatment of Brooke Shields is so gross that I just hate to point people to it and say, go watch this. Like yeah. if you've already seen it or if you I mean, honestly, there's not a whole lot besides watching the trailer and maybe that 45 seconds of Tom Cruise that you need you to enjoy the podcast. And I think find everything that you need from Endless Love on YouTube. You can, in fact, find the entirety of Endless Love on sure. YouTube. But maybe be a little selective, maybe jump around a little bit. We can't and don't want to co-sign the production process Absolutely. that led to that film. I do find the film itself separating art from artists, mm -hmm. separating process from product. I do find the film to be fascinating. I do yes. find the film to be occasionally extremely beautiful. Oh, definitely. So we'll talk about all of that tomorrow, in fact. Dear listener, if you are listening to the Zero episode, to this very Zero episode as it drops, we're going to be back in your earbuds tomorrow with the first real episode of The Last Star in Hollywood. You can find out more, of course, by visiting our website, which is Elizabeth. LastStarPod.com. Ten points to Gryffindor. Excellent Thanks. work. You can also support us by visiting our Patreon page, patreon.com slash LastStarPod, where you can pledge your support, get access mm -hmm. to monthly bonus episodes. We're going to uh, talk about a film which is tangentially connected to one of the four films that we are discussing in any given month. Right. And those films are going to be selected by our patrons. You can head on over, pledge your support, and vote on which weird tangential flick we can discuss as we move forward through this process. There is, in fact, a poll already available. If you head over there and pledge your support right now, you can choose which one of four films with the word last in the title. <laughs> it's the best we could do. Because well, we don't have any Tom Cruise films. We don't want we to don't. do a bonus episode on a film that is tangentially connected to a film we haven't yet discussed. Of course. So yeah. we'll do the first four Cruise films in November after yes. we've done the mainline episodes. So this month, Movies with last in the title. Do you want us to it. discuss The Last Starfighter? Do you want us to discuss Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade? Do you want us to discuss The Last Action Hero? Or, cruelly, <laughs> do you want us to discuss Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest? You can head over to Patreon, pledge your support, help support this podcast, mm -hmm. and make us do your bidding, because that's how this arrangement works, you guys. Thank you, in the meantime, so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow with Endless Love. And if you're skipping that one, we'll be back next week with the other 1981 movie in Cruz's filmography, Harold Becker's Taps. There's so much action and adventure ahead. I hope you stick with us through this whole journey. Thank you so much for listening to this first episode. Elizabeth, take us out. This has been a blast. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time.